In this episode, Jenny Stone, a chartered accountant and partner at RBP, is joined by Oliver Newin, a financial planning consultant at Quilter Financial Advisors. They're going to be discussing the tax implications of being in the NHS pension scheme, the annual allowance tax charge, and why the rise in inflation will mean GPs will have large tax charges for 2022-23. Also, how a scheme pay election affects your pension and considerations you need to think about before opting out. Accountancy on Prescription by RBP, one of the leading firms of medical specialist accountants. We know what you find tough, but don't you worry, as we know our stuff. Hello and welcome to this episode of Accountancy on Prescription. I'm Jenny Stone. I'm one of the partners at RBP and I'm delighted to be joined by Oliver Newin from Quilter Financial Advisors. Hi, Ollie. Hi, Jenny. Thank you so much for joining us today. I know you've been helping lots of my clients understand their NHS pension and making decisions that they want to think about with it. Could you just do a quick intro for everybody so they know who you are and why you're qualified to talk about what we're going to talk about today? Yeah, absolutely. So as I say, my name is Oliver Newing. I work through a financial services network called Quilt Financial Advisors. That's a FTSE 250 company, one of the largest providers of financial advice in the UK. I work through Quilter, but run my own practice working with a specific proposition for GP clients. And I've done that since 2012. So I work almost exclusively with GP clients and their families, providing a holistic financial planning service, but with a very significant focus on the NHS pensions because it's such an important area to their individual planning. No, absolutely. It's so important. And the topic we're going to cover today, I mean, when I go around to talk to GPs, I mean, I remember when I was a partner 20 years ago, we never had to, as accountants, we never had to talk about the pension. And now it seems to be all people want to talk about. So today we are going to cover the tax implications of being in the NHS pension scheme. So we're going to cover the annual allowance, when you might have a tax charge, why rising inflation is going to mean that lots of doctors have large tax charges for 22, 23. We're going to talk about how you pay those, what happens if you ask the pension agency to pay them, and then things that maybe you need to think about if you're getting to the lifetime limit. So we've got a lot to cover today. Just to add, if you're enjoying the podcast, please like it, rate it, and of course, share it with your colleagues. This is a very important topic to cover. So Ollie, we've got lots to cover, so let's get straight into it. I think before we start talking about all the tax implications, can you just do a brief summary of what are the benefits of being in the NHS pension scheme? Yeah, absolutely. So I guess the most obvious benefit is the very, very generous retirement income that it's going to provide for members and specifically the defined benefit nature of how that pension is accrued. So I think it's always worthwhile when I'm talking with clients to kind of frame the features of the scheme and how they compare to other pension schemes that might be available to other professionals or employees in the private sector, for example. So broadly speaking, the NHS pension falls under a defined benefit category. And as the name suggests, that means that at the point that they make their payments, the benefit that they're buying is already defined. So it's guaranteed in its nature. Every single year, they're buying a guaranteed amount of lifetime income that will be payable from a specific retirement age. Compared that to the private sector or the vast majority of private sector firms, 
you have defined contribution pensions. And the difference there is that the only thing that's defined is the contribution. So that contribution for members in the private sector goes into an investment fund, and they are then subject to the investment performance throughout the rest of their career, which offers them much, much less certainty about where they're going to be at retirement and therefore how they can plan for that. So the guaranteed nature of return is really, really important. And the reality is that the cost of that, if you put the similar cost into a defined contribution scheme, is very or highly unlikely that you would reach a similar type of income. And that's why I say the pension that will be generated is so generous at the end. And I'm sure, Ali, we see what our private pensions are, and obviously they've gone down over a period of time. I'm sure that you would happily give up your private pension for the NHS pension. Yeah, absolutely. And and actually, when you look at the private sector, so traditionally, there have been lots of defined benefit schemes in the private sector, but they're being phased out almost in their entirety. And that tells you that, you know, within the private sector, they're unsustainable, whereas within the NHS, they are retained. They're expected to be retained on an ongoing basis, certainly for the foreseeable future. And whilst it's unfunded, it's treasury and government backed. And so it's as secure as you could possibly get. Yeah. And that's what I certainly always say to people, you know, it is a very good, a very generous pension. So I think when we come on and talk about all the tax implications, it's bearing in mind that you do have this inflation proof pension. So let's just talk about some of the tax implications. So when I go around and see my clients, we go around and we talk about the annual allowance and tax charges and we give them estimates. Could you just, and I know there's still very much a lack of understanding around it. So could you just explain exactly what the annual allowance is and in simple terms how it's calculated? Yeah, sure. So the annual allowance at a very high level is the amount of tax-free contribution or growth that a member can achieve within their scheme on a tax year basis. So again, there's a differentiation between defined contribution and defined benefit schemes here because defined contribution is very simple. It's just the aggregate of the employer and employee contribution that goes in and provided that sits within the annual allowance, currently the standard level is 40,000, then full tax relief would be acquired, there'd be no tax charge. That's quite easy to manage. Within a defined benefit scheme, it's based upon the growth of benefits over the course of that 12-month period. And broadly, the way that that's calculated is that you would look at what the pension was at the beginning of the year, what the pension is at the end of the year. There's a calculation of those two figures to find a start and end value. And then the start value is uplifted by inflation to make sure that those two values are in the same monetary terms. The challenge there is that inflation is a significant factor in that calculation and obviously is variable. So even though a member's pensionable income might remain broadly the same, and actually the accrual of benefits off that basis is the same, actually the growth and therefore the tax implication can be hugely variable from year to year. And we see that very much, you know, that you can one year have X amount of growth and you've not earned any more for the next year and the growth can be different. And and we'll talk about inflation. And I think one of the things that I try and stress to clients is that I think a lot of doctors see what they are paying into the pension scheme. So they might look and say, oh, yes, Jenny, I'm paying 35000 into the pension scheme. It's less than the annual allowance of 40000 I don't have anything to worry about. And I always say to them, I say, you've just got to ignore what you are physically paying into the pension scheme. It's not about contributions. It is this deemed growth calculation. 
That's exactly right. And I come across that as well. And I can understand why there's a misunderstanding there. And it's broadly because of the nature of the scheme, the difference between defined contribution and defined benefit. So the understanding there is linked to defined contribution, but NHS members aren't in a defined contribution scheme. So yeah, it's very common that mistake. And the way you're saying there about focusing on the growth and just the growth is absolutely the important element. Yes, yes. And we, and we do these estimates for our clients when we obviously do the tax returns. And the standard annual allowance is 40,000. So it was 50 and it came down to 40. But there is obviously some higher earnings. And I know this isn't so much of a problem now, but there are obviously higher earning doctors that may be subject to the tapered annual allowance. It used to be more of a problem, but can you just, Ollie, briefly just explain what that means and who might be affected by the tapered annual allowance? Yeah, so the, so the tapering of annual allowance was introduced in the 2016-17 year. And as you quite rightly highlight there, it's based upon income levels. So for higher earners, it's possible that if they reach certain thresholds, that their available annual allowance would reduce from the standard level of 40,000 down potentially initially to 10,000. And actually, it's so now down four, to yes. 4,000. Yeah. So there's two tests there. Broadly, the first test is what's known as a threshold income test. In 2016-17, the threshold income effectively means taxable income. And where that was above £110,000, the member potentially lost annual allowance. What then happened was they looked at adjusted income, where they add pension growth onto that taxable income figure. And where that was above 140000 they started to lose their allowance. That was particularly punitive because actually, if someone is a high earner, they're likely to have high pensionable income. What that means is that they're likely to have significant pension growth. And when that was then partnered with a lower allowance, it led to very punitive tax charges. Thankfully, in 2021, after a year where compensation was offered to mitigate some of that, the threshold income test has now been raised to 200,000. So this is only an issue for members who have taxable income above 200,000 pounds. And that move was basically to remove the vast majority of doctors, not all, but the vast majority of doctors. Yes. And I was going to say, you know, a lot of our clients suddenly dropped out of being tapered, but we still obviously do have some high earners that are subject to the taper still. And what I would say, and especially, you know, the last couple of years for GPs, you know, income has gone up because some of them have earned an awful lot from COVID vaccines, which, you know, they've worked extremely hard, had an increase in income, and then suddenly they find themselves having taxable income of more than 200,000 and then subject to the taper, which they've sometimes never had to even think about. And really just to, I suppose, also just to mention that the 200,000 threshold is taxable income. So it's not just your NHS earnings. So I had a client who had a very high portfolio of rental income. And actually, although her NHS earnings wasn't anywhere near that number, by the time you added on all that extra income, she was then finding she was subject to the tapered annual allowance. So Yes, a lot of people, like you say, Ollie, a lot of people have come out of it now and are not subject, but there are still some people that do. You know, I've still got some clients that, you know, their 40,000 gets whittled down to 4,000 pounds now, not even 10,000 like it was before. And, and one of the challenges there actually is that the NHS Pensions Agency will, in some instances, only send out pension saving statements to give the relevant information if there's an excess above the standard allowance, obviously not accounting for circumstances where there might be other income, rental property or other investment income that would actually reduce the standard allowance. So it's important to be clear you know, on those terms and to be reviewing that on an individual basis. The other thing to say is whilst the threshold income increase has helped in this scenario, it is still possible for members to exceed the allowance. All that really means is 
annual allowance tax charges are less likely and likely to be less punitive, but they are still possible. And particularly, as I think we'll come on to, with inflation at a very high rate now, that has in itself increased the likelihood of annual allowance tax charges, particularly for GPs. Yes. And I was going to say, let's talk about that because there's a lot obviously been said about it and we're going around to see our clients and giving them these horrendous figures. So let's move on to talk about inflation and why inflation is having a massive impact on these numbers and especially so for 22-23. Yeah. So I actually try and frame this in first and foremost quite a positive light for clients, which seems like an unusual thing to do because obviously no one wants to pay tax and clearly we want to be as tax efficient as we're allowed to be. But the reason that this is a problem for GPs is that the GP scheme has always or historically it falls under the defined benefit wrapper I was talking about or type of pension I was talking about earlier on in the same way that a hospital consultant scheme does. But it falls under a different set of rules. So the 1995 scheme for GPs and the 2008 scheme is known as a CARE scheme, which stands for Career Average Revalued Earnings, whereas the Hospital Consultant Scheme is a Final Salary Scheme. So the way the pension is accrued and builds up over time is based upon a different type of accrual rate. For GPs, when we're looking, because it's based on their career earnings, To calculate the benefits, the NHS Pension Administration has to look at all of their career earnings. And from that, broadly, whatever that total is, they then work it out to be a pension of 1.4%, and then they uprate that for hospital work prior to becoming a GP. So because they're basing it on all of the career earnings, they have to revalue those career earnings every single year. Otherwise, they would lose pace with inflation and they would lose value in real terms, which would lead to a devaluation of pension. So sorry for getting a bit technical here, but it's important. It is technical, yes. (laughs) The the mechanics behind why there is a larger tax charge here, but really what the benefit behind that is. So as they revalue those career earnings, they do so at a rate of CPI inflation. So when CPI inflation is very high, as it is now at a 40-year level, actually what's happening is the pension is growing at a faster rate. Now, looking at it through that lens, that's not a bad thing because the cost of living is going up and it would be problematic if the pension wasn't rising at such a significant rate alongside it. However, because it's growing at such a significant rate, that means that it's more likely to exceed the allowance. It's doing it at an exceptional level at the moment because we're in a unique circumstance with very high inflation and that's what's leading to the tax charge. But if it wasn't growing so much, there would be less tax to pay but also the pension wouldn't be working as hard to keep pace with inflation during this period. Just very briefly, just referring to the hospital consultant scheme, in the 1995 section and and 2008, that's linked to final salaries. So the final salary, sadly for hospital consultants, isn't linked to inflation and therefore isn't going to grow as much. So they won't have as punitive taxation, but their pensions aren't growing as much to mitigate the impact of this cost of living crisis. No, absolutely. And I am going to talk through some numbers to give you some examples. But this is what I say to clients when I've been going around providing estimates. So we always provide an estimate of the current year we're looking at in terms of tax returns. So we normally would go around and give estimates for 21-22. But we've obviously also been giving estimates for 22-23 based on inflation at 10%. And these numbers are huge. And I try and say to clients, but your pension is going up by inflation. So your pension is worth a lot more. But of course, everybody focuses on that tax charge 
charge and are not thinking about, well, actually, yes, my pension is going up by 10%. And of course, the pension goes up, you know, if you're an active member of the scheme for doctors, it's inflation plus one and a half percent. So it is, you know, and I think before when inflation was like 1%, that one and a half percent seemed quite a bit, but now we're looking at 10% inflation, you know. But Ollie, I'm just going to give some examples because I'm actually going to see a GP practice today and I've got an older GP in that practice and a younger GP. So I thought as accountants, we love numbers. So I thought it might be helpful just to sort of, just to chat through these numbers that I've got. So one of the GPs in the practice, he's actually 54. So he's got a pension at the start of April 21 of about 49,000. So for 21-22, his pensionable pay is about 86000 So when I put in the numbers, I work out roughly he's going to have a growth for 21-22 of about 60000 He's got the standard annual allowance of 40. So the excess above the 40000 the 20000 he will pay tax at his highest marginal tax charge. So he's got about £8,000 of tax to pay. But of course, if I run these numbers for 22-23, so I roll forward his pension and I'm going to assume he's going to have exactly the same earnings, I'm looking at a growth number, a six-figure number. I'm looking at a potential growth of about 102000 And obviously, he's still got a standard annual allowance of 40000 So he's got a tax charge on the excess of 62000 in the region of £25,000. So that's the potential tax charge for 22-23. So of course, as, as you said earlier, you know, you can have the same earnings. And in 21-22, his tax charge was 8,000. And in 22-23, even assuming earnings are the same, that goes up to 25,000. And that significant increase is, of course, as we've talked about, is all to do with the fact that inflation has significantly increased. Normally, when I see younger doctors, they normally don't always have so much of a problem because they've got a small pension pot that's not being dynamized. But so just to give you, you know, just to sort of run through a comparison of numbers. So one of the other partners in this practice, one of the younger partners, he's 33. He's got a pension at April 21 of about nine and a half thousand. His pensionable earnings are about 140,000. So I've kind of roughly calculated that for 21, 22, he will have a growth of about 48,000. So standard annual allowance of 40. So the excess of 8,000 will be taxed, probably about three and a half thousand pounds of tax to pay. And then again, when we look at 22, 23, assuming he's got the same earnings, I've got potential growth of 60,000 and then an annual allowance, obviously, of 40. So the excess 20,000 will be taxed at his highest rates, about 8,000 pounds of tax. So it is an increase, but we can see, can't we, from this example, that the older GPs who've got bigger pension pots to begin with, dynamizing and adding on that inflation makes a massive difference to these numbers for 22, 23. Yeah, absolutely. And and that's because, again, the way I would explain it to clients is that there's two elements of growth. If we're an active member, the first element of growth is that dynamization, that revaluation of the historic earnings. And the second element is whatever you earn in the course of, of the year is also added into the pot and you earn pension on that as well. So for a GP closer to retirement who has a larger career earnings part, that dynamization factor is going to be much, much bigger, effectively compounds. And that level of growth works harder as you reach retirement. So yes, there's a bigger tax charge, 
But actually, there's more pension growth as a result of this CPI position that we're in. More of the a higher pension is holding value with this CPI effect, which leads to a bigger tax charge, but there's more benefit as a result yes. of it. So that, that is going to be diluted to a degree, depending on how you settle that tax, because effectively the tax either represents a new cost. So you're getting the same benefit, but at more cost. So the return on contribution reduces. Or alternatively, if you were to use scheme pays, I think we'll talk about scheme pays in a moment, then you're going to retain the same cost, but you're going to get slightly less benefit. But there's still significant value in the scheme. And, you know, the GPs, actually, these growth and tax charges are a factor of good revaluation in the scheme, which is critical. It's really, really important when there's cost of living crisis. And I think that's one of the things that I try and stress to my clients. I'm saying your pension has gone up by, you know, the reason why you've got these big tax charges is because your pension has increased significantly. But of course, at the moment, clients, what they focus on is the tax and how am I going to pay that tax? So with those examples I've given, you know, as, as you've said, Ollie, you know, you've got a choice. You can pay the tax and we can put it on the tax return and you pay it in the following January. It also increases payments on account or you can do scheme pay elections. And I know with some of the numbers I'm seeing for 22, 23, I don't know how some of these clients, unless they've got big saving pots, how they're going to pay that tax. So a lot of them are already saying, I don't have a choice. I'm going to have to do a scheme pay election. Can you, Ollie, because... I know lots of my clients, you know, I hear different things about scheme pay elections. Some of my clients say, no, 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 it's such a bad idea. Can you maybe just talk through actually what a scheme pay election is and what impact it has on their pension at the end? Yeah, so a scheme pay election is effectively asking the scheme, the NHS Pension Administration, to settle your tax liability with HMRC. And because they're making that payment on your behalf, you're effectively taking out a debt with them that sits against the pension value until retirement. That debt has interest applied at CPI plus a scape rate. And there is some risk around the scape rate because it can be reviewed by the government. So currently it's 2.4, so effectively 2.4% above CPI. But if you work on the basis that the dynamization of those historic benefits currently is CPI plus 1.5%, actually there's a relatively small differential. It's fairly marginal what impact that's going to have on the pension when you come to retire. So scheme pays, I think, is the only option for members who don't have the capital. And when you're looking at the type of tax charges that you're talking about there, it may well be that individual members just don't have, aren't able to put their hands on that capital to be able to pay for it. So scheme pays becomes the only viable option in that scenario. But equally, it might be the most viable option for members, even if they do have the capital, because that capital just might be more valuable to them now than it is having a slightly higher pension when they come to retire, particularly if their pension fund is going to be above the lifetime allowance when they come to retire. Because by using scheme pays to settle an annual charge and reducing the pension at retirement, you reduce the capital value, which then subsequently saves you lifetime allowance tax. There's quite a significant amount of tax efficiency in that approach. Where alarm bells come to me is where a client is saying, that they're going to incur a tax charge, they don't want to use scheme pays, and therefore they're going to opt out of the scheme. For the vast majority of clients that I work with, and we model this, if a client is in a position that they haven't yet accumulated enough retirement income, and they therefore need to produce more retirement income, even regardless of annual allowance tax charges using scheme pays, lifetime allowance tax, the value within the scheme is likely to be better than what they could accumulate outside of the scheme on a risk-free basis. So I explain that to clients by saying that if you're accruing benefits, not incurring annual allowance tax charges or lifetime allowance tax charges, then your return is exceptional. If you were above the lifetime allowance, it's still very, very good. 
And if you're incurring annual allowance tax charges, it's likely to be very good. So that isn't really a reason to come out. Why would you come out with a very good scheme? And do you know what? That is a such an interesting point and a really important point because I know when I go around to see GPs, you know, and we're giving them these tax estimates. And the first thing, you know, in people's head, they don't want to pay any more tax. They just focus on this tax element. So I, just like you said, Ollie, I talk to them and I say, yes, you can do a scheme pay election. Yes, there's interest. But like you've just actually explained, the interest actually isn't as much as I think people think it is. I think people have in their head, it's inflation, it's linked with inflation. Inflation is sitting at 10%. That's going to be really expensive. But like you said, the pension benefits are going up by inflation as well. So actually, the pension benefits are going up by inflation plus one and a half percent. The interest on it isn't as significant as I think people think it is. But I know clients are very quick. They see those tax charges, you know, for 22, 23, the BMA sent out a newsletter about it, a calculator. I was getting inundated with emails with people saying to me, Jenny, shall I opt out? Shall I opt out? So we see a lot of people because they hear this is what their friends do, do what this term we call this hokey where they are trying to opt in and opt out. So they may go, right, I'm going to be in the scheme for two months because I don't want growth of any more than 40,000. Yeah, I mean, is this, but it sounds like what you're saying to me is actually, this isn't necessarily a good option to do. The benefits are still outweighing all of those tax charges. So I would agree with that completely. I think that there are circumstances where coming out of the scheme potentially might be in the client's best interest. So obviously it has to be looked at on an individual basis. If you took two partners from the same practice, let's just say working the same session, same income, same age, exactly the same pension accrual, actually how they manage their pension could look entirely different because we don't know about the personal circumstance in the background. If one of them had 15 buy-to-let properties that would produce enough income in retirement or were you know, financially independent now so that they could retire, then the pension probably offers less value to that member than the one who's entirely dependent upon it. So personal circumstances are critical and it's difficult to provide generic advice. But as a generalism, if a client needs more retirement income, the NHS pension vehicle, regardless of taxation, is likely to offer on a risk-free basis the best return that they can accumulate. Again, the £200,000 threshold will impact that. GP partners, there's more of an incentive to come out of the scheme than there would be for a salaried GP if they're not going to get the employer contribution back. But regardless of all of that, on a simple basis, if more retirement income is required than the NHS, staying in the NHS pension scheme is distinctly likely to be the best course of action. And I think that it could prove to be the most costly decision that anyone makes coming out of it, because sadly, we don't know when we might become ill and we don't know when we might pass away. And the cost to beneficiaries or to someone who becomes unwell and, and unable to work by having less enhanced ill health retirement pension benefits or dependents pensions and, and death and service, you know, could prove to be a really, really costly mistake. And that's a really, really important consideration as well for anyone that's thinking of, of opting out of the scheme. And that is exactly what I sort of say to my clients is I think it's really important that I think everybody focuses on the tax, doesn't actually think about that they've got this really good pension, that most people who've got a private pension would actually give up their private pension and be in the pension scheme. And they focus on the tax. And when they're seeing numbers for 22, 23, you know, their first reaction is, I've got to come out tomorrow. How do I opt out? And I always try and say to them, but you've got to think about the benefits that you're going to lose by opting out. And like you say, I always say to them, you don't want to die or fall ill when you're out the scheme. 
Can you just touch on what are, because I know I get asked this a lot, what are kind of, so the benefits that they lose for being out the scheme. So can you just briefly touch on, you know, if they decide to opt out, what are they actually giving up? Yeah. So I'll cover up the death and service and the other half time pension. Just before I do that, Jenny, can I come back on, on that last point very quickly? You made a point about the taxation and focusing on the tax and that being the driver to make the decision. But if you said to most people that were earning £100,000 a year, would you like to receive £200,000 a year for doing exactly what you're doing? I can't think of anyone that would say no to that question. And that's the same as the pension. You're going to pay more tax if you receive £200,000 a year, but there is a net benefit above and beyond that, which is valuable and worthwhile. And that's exactly the same situation with the pension. Yes, there's some tax, but there is a net benefit that you're receiving by exceeding the annual allowance. So when I present that to clients, that kind of strikes a chord sometimes. No, um, absolutely. Thank you. So opting out. So first and foremost, you have a death in service payment, basically equal to two times your pensionable pay as an active member in the scheme. That would reduce down to three times the pension commencement lump sum. So there's a lower lump sum payment effectively if you're a deferred member rather than an active member in the scheme if you were to pass away. In addition to that, the benefits to your beneficiaries, so there's a widow's pensions and dependents' pensions for dependent children in the event of passing away. Again, those are quite significantly reduced for a deferred member rather than an active member. And most obviously, in terms of ill health, there's two tiers to ill health retirement pension. There's what's known as tier one and tier two. Tier one is if you are unable to perform your normal function so as a GP in the NHS, then you would receive your pension that you've accumulated to date immediately from that point thereafter. Tier two definition is more generous, and that's based upon not being able to perform any type of work and function. So it's a more severe condition. And in that scenario, you would receive not just the pension you've accumulated to date, but you'd also receive some credit for future service. So you'd get a more lucrative or or sizable pension paid immediately in that scenario. If you're a deferred member, you have to qualify for that more difficult criteria, the, the not being able to work in any capacity, but you would only get the first tier of benefits. So it's quite possible that actually GP can't work as a GP any longer. They would they would not get any pension or ill health retirement pension in that scenario. That's quite a significant difference there. Now, when you look at the benefits for ill health and death and service within the scheme, they're generous. They're probably not for every member going to be sufficient in themselves to fully protect and mitigate the risk they want. So generally speaking, clients might have some additional income protection or life cover but they do make a very worthwhile contribution towards it. And it certainly is not a level of benefit that should be overlooked when considering membership in the scheme. No, absolutely. And I think that's one of the things that I sort of stress to people is that you need to understand what you're giving up by opting out. Because actually, you'll be amazed, Ollie, that the amount of clients I talk to and, you know, and they don't have life insurance cover. They don't have that because they are dependent on the benefits of the NHS pension scheme. So they don't have that in place and they opt out. Like you said, it could be a very, very costly decision. Yeah, absolutely, Ollie. That's brilliant. I think that's going to be really helpful to so many people because I think there's so many myths at the moment around scheme pay. And actually, we should opt out when we've got these big tax charges. Can I just move on? So we've talked about annual allowance. Let's talk about when somebody, so older GPs that their pots are growing and they're getting near the lifetime limit. Can you just explain what the lifetime limit is and how it is calculated? Yeah, so the lifetime allowance was introduced in 2006 as part of A-Day regulation. And initially, it was quite generous. It's been as high as 1.8 million, but it's been reduced significantly over the last decade and currently sits at just over a million pounds, 1.073 million pounds. 
What that means is any individual in the country can hold pension values up to that before they incur a lifetime allowance tax charge above that limit and the lifetime allowance tax charges that subsequently incurred. Again, taxed differently between defined contribution and defined benefit schemes, but I'll focus just on defined benefit here as, as we're talking about the NHS pension. So how do you calculate the value of an NHS pension? The formula is relatively simple. It's 20 multiples of the pension that you've accumulated up until that point plus lump sum. So for members with 95 benefits and 2015 benefits, scheme benefits, there's going to be a pension and lump sum within the 95 scheme and there'll be a standard pension being accumulated within 2015. So, so multiply the total pension between the schemes by 20, add the lump sum, and that gives you your capital value. If that's above 1.073 million, then you're incurring a lifetime allowance tax charge. Broadly, the excess is taxed at 25%, and you would divide that figure by 20 to work out what the reduction of the pension is going to be when it's paid to you gross in retirement. No, that's absolutely. And what I would also just say, because I have clients that nowhere on any of the information you get from the pension agency does it actually tell you what your lifetime limit is. So I have GPs in particular where because it's career average, they get a total reward statement and they see this dynamized earnings figure of 2.5 million. And then they email me in panic, Jenny, my lifetime limit's 2.5 million. And I have to say, actually, none of the information you actually get from the pension agency tells you what your lifetime limit is. But as you've explained, it's 20 times pension plus lump sum. So it's easy enough when you've got your pension information to work that out. And for our clients, when we're going around to see them, we always kind of, when we've got their updated pension information, we are always telling them what their lifetime limit is and where they're at. Can I ask you, because again, you know, a lot of clients, you know, the lifetime limit has obviously been frozen now. So it was supposed to be going up by inflation, but that obviously has all been frozen until 26. So clients that look and and they get to the lifetime limit, you know, again, a lot of them sort of sit there going, oh, I'm at the lifetime limit. Oh, I'm going to come out. You know, so what should members of the pension scheme be thinking if they're getting close to the lifetime limit? So I've lost count of the number of people that have said that to me since 2012. When the lifetime allowance started to be reduced, obviously with a reducing lifetime allowance, it becomes much more likely or more people are going to exceed it. But my advice there is simple. In isolation, exceeding the lifetime allowance is not a reason to come out of the scheme. Again, there's an impact in terms of tax charge, which will then reduce the pension accrual once you've reached that limit. But the question is, how significant is that reduction? And it's not so punitive to mean that there's still not exceptional value within the scheme. So again, for members who are looking to accumulate more retirement income or they need more retirement income, then the NHS pension is likely to be the best vehicle to continue doing that even above the lifetime allowance. Now, there may be other reasons that the member should potentially consider coming out of the scheme. Those should obviously be considered on an individual basis, but the lifetime allowance just by itself is, is not a reason. Yeah, no, absolutely. And I think, you know, I'm always saying, certainly for GPs, they're all going to get to the lifetime limit way before they get to retirement age. And of course, you know, so many of them, you know, even younger GPs are sort of getting to the lifetime limit and going, you know what, I'm going to come out now. I've got to the limit. So I think absolutely, you know, you've you've kind of really confirmed that that's not the sole reason for making a decision to come out. Completely. Yeah. And I, and I think that the, the, the issue is, is that The NHS pension scheme has changed and arguably is less favourable when you look at the retirement age in the 2015 scheme. And and it's worth noting, actually, that whilst the schemes have normal retirement age, members aren't restricted to those. There is some flexibility around that. Sometimes, in fact, commonly incurring an actuarial reduction to take the pension early is the right thing to do. 
individually when I work with clients, understanding what other pensions might be in a particular household. So we talked earlier on about defined contribution and defined benefit schemes. Whilst a defined benefit scheme such as the NHS might be available at normal retirement age without penalty, a couple still could retire earlier. They just use defined contribution funds from the other spouse to fund that early part of retirement. So it's about having a strategy and understanding where the NHS fits, the pension fits within that to maximise its value and to maximise its cost. So there's huge value in there. And I think actually one of the key things and one of the things that I say to sort of clients, I mean, we as accountants, we can go around and tell them all the tax implications, but we cannot give them financial advice. We can't tell them this is what's going to happen if you opt out, should you stay in? And I think what I've been stressing to a lot of my clients who seem to be very quick to make a decision, and they're seeing these annual allowance tax charges for 22, 23, they're thinking really quickly, I need to come out. I'm, I'm so saying to them, you know, speak to Ollie, you know, he can give you advice because like you very clearly said, it's not all just, you can't make a decision based on tax charges. You've got to look at everything. Completely. It's, it's impossible to provide, uh, you know, there's, there's some conclusions we can make on a general basis around certain parts of the scheme, but to understand how a member manages it optimally for themselves, you have to take into account the personal circumstances. Everyone has different personal circumstances. And, you know, whilst the scheme is less favourable than perhaps it once was, and whilst the tax treatment is more punitive than perhaps it once was, it's very easy to conclude, oh, therefore, there's no value in it, so I'm going to come out of the scheme. And absolutely, overwhelmingly, for the clients where I see that happening, I would argue that that's a mistake. It's just that they, they need to think a bit more carefully about how they manage it to maximise the benefit to them and their family. No, absolutely, Ollie. That has been absolutely brilliant. You've been amazing because you've certainly, hopefully, answered some of those myths around scheme pay elections, this opting in and opting out. What I would say is, I mean, obviously, anybody listening, if you want to have a chat to Ollie, we'll put, obviously, Ollie's contact details into the show notes so that, that you can reach out to Ollie because, yeah, I know a lot of clients have been really grateful for the advice that you've given to them. Can I just ask you one thing? So one thing, there was an article in the Sunday Times a few weeks ago about and some of my clients are really hoping that Liz Truss is going to change all the pension regulations and all these tax charges are suddenly going to go away. So I just wondered whether you had any thoughts, just as a final... Yeah, it's an interesting one. So there's been lots of change in government, clearly. I think we've had three health ministers, you know, in the space of a year or perhaps even yeah. shorter than that. So I think that's one of the challenges, actually. You know, there's lots of communication. We we lobby as a business to government. I know the BMA are very strong on this. There's other people that are doing the same. But it's getting the message through to a decision maker who's got the time and, and foresight to be able to make what are actually look like very, very sensible changes. The really, really big issue for GPs in this space is something known as a CPI disconnect, which in the annual allowance calculation, they use two different levels of CPI. And there's no really any rhyme or reason. There's no logic behind why they do that. And it means that there is this kind of quasi growth that when inflation's rising, that members get taxed on, which they shouldn't really be. And the opposite side of that curve is when it comes down, inflation comes down, potentially there'll be negative growth, but it's rounded off to zero. So they get the negative on the upside, but they don't get it rewarded back on the downside. That is unfair. There's, it's difficult to argue that that isn't fair. And so we think that there's some traction. Obviously, we can't, we're not any closer to government really than members are. So we're really hopeful that there's some change on that because it's logical. And what we can probably say is that there will be legislative change around the pension moving forward because there's been such a volume of it in the last decade, which just means it's really, really critical to review it regularly. 
I'd like to be able to promise that there's going to be positive change. I've got my fingers crossed like everyone else. <laughs> no, do you know what? I mean, I, I, I think this, but I turn around to clients and I'm like, no, they probably won't change it, you know, but let's hope they will. Exactly. Ollie, you've been absolutely amazing. Thank you so much for giving up your time today because I think we've covered some really important topics. And for those that are listening, this is a topic that is not understood. So please share this podcast with your colleagues and rate it and like it. And we are releasing podcasts fortnightly. So look out for the next episode. Thank you for listening. You have been listening to RBP's Accountancy on Prescription podcast. For any updates, please visit www.rbp.co.uk or follow us on Twitter at RBPCA. The contents of this podcast is for general guidance and informational purposes only and does not constitute any form of advice. The information provided by RBP is of a general nature. Appropriate and tailored advice or independent research should be obtained before making any decisions. RBP does not accept any liability for any loss or damage which is incurred from you acting or not acting as a result of listening to Accountancy on Prescription.